The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to a bumper edition of the Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy McCarthy, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at jermccarthy 74 This week's guests include off-the-ball sports reporter and football and camogie player Ashling O'Reilly joins me to preview the opening round of the LGFA's Lidl National Football League, including Cork versus Meath. UCC hockey player Quiva Perdue has been called up to the Irish Women's Senior Hockey International squad and travelled to France for a five-day camp this past week. We'll also hear from the new Cork LGFA Senior Football Captain Maura O'Callaghan and Vice Captain Millis Duggan about their new roles and the season ahead. Cork Camogie's minor manager Jerry Wallace and intermediate manager Trevor Coleman join me to review the first outings of the year and the past weekend as well as previewing their next opponents. I've also got reports from the Cork LGFA and Cork Camogie Under-16 camps as they prepare for their upcoming Munster and All-Ireland Championships. Plus, we have Munster Women's Rugby Chairperson Wendy Keenan back for a weekly review of all the latest international and local women's rugby news. AFLW expert and Aussie Rules coach to the stars Mike Curran on another big week for Irish players in Australia. That's all to come on the Women in Sport podcast. A brand new LGFA's Lidl National League campaign kicks off this weekend, highlighted by the clash of reigning All-Ireland champions Meath and Cork. Off the balls, Ashling O'Reilly joined me on the Big Red Bench to look ahead to an exciting weekend's action. Now, it is a real thrill here on the Big Red Bench to be joined uh, by an off-the-ball sports reporter, Ashling O'Reilly, who's forging a fantastic career for herself in the media sector. Ashling, uh, you're very welcome to the Big Red Bench and thanks for joining us. Hi, Jerry. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Delighted. Good stuff. Let's get straight into it because this weekend sees the LGFA National League return and one of the standout fixtures, and uh, one I know you'll be very interested in yourself, as are we down here in Cork, is the meeting of the All-Ireland Champions Meath and Cork in Park Talton. So an easy one to start. <laughs> I won't ask you how it's going to finish. But what are you expecting from Meath this year? It's a different kind of year frame in Maureen's players. They're now the champions and also Cork. Big time. It is a different year. And I think we're probably going to see maybe a different side in me because last year we seen the underdogs coming through nice and quietly and not a hell of a lot of people were aware of just how good they were. And, you know, I don't think a lot of people paid attention to it. And then all of a sudden we seen what happened even against Armagh and then against Cork um, when they pushed them to extra time. Like Cork really had one foot into that All-Ireland final and it must have been devastating for those girls. So I do think me this year, there's going to be a lot more eyes on them. They know exactly what they can do and they know their game plan and I think that was something that was maybe a little bit different and went under the radar just that running game that they play and I think people are aware of that now because I think even Dublin going into that game were not that they weren't aware but I think they were took a bit by surprise by how good they were and how well they stepped up to that occasion as well um, so I think for, for this time around for me it's going to be a lot more eyes on them and it's going to be interesting to see how they go because it's very early in the year and they're not long home from the the team holiday that was just there in December time. So there's a lot of girls sort of only getting back into the swing of things. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. And from Cork's point of view, Ashling, it's a new management team. Shane Ronan has enjoyed an awful lot of success with Moran Abbey. Unfortunately, didn't get over the line this year's All-Ireland final. Congratulations to Kilcar and Clumburn on that. But from Cork's point of view, it's more or less the same squad that's been announced today. A couple of new faces. But Shane Ronan is a serial winner and it'll be a new look Cork as well. Yeah, and it's nice to have a fresh face in there. I think Evie did great stuff, you know, while he was there. But it's sometimes nice to get that fresh face in there. And because they've had so much hurt as well, to, to really freshen things up and to have a new 
new look, a new aspect. It feels different when you go into a change room when there's a new manager, you know, a new voice. So it'll be interesting to see what way they line out, what way they play this year. Are they going to change things up? Because Cork, as we all know, their their success over the last number of years, but even at the moment, if you write on paper that team, it's an unbelievable team. So it's just about clicking, I, I suppose, at the moment. It's just those last, like, minor details. So it'll be interesting to see how they go out. And obviously the Moran Abbey girls coming back in there as well, their exceptional outfit. And, you know, they'll be getting back into the swing of things. Just like, as I mentioned, with the, the Mead girls, you know, a lot of the Dunboyne girls are only coming back in as well. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how, at the moment, they are, they are feeling because it, there's a lot going on. You know, they mightn't be up to the standard that we're used to seeing them play, but I think that's what the league's about, isn't it? It's about sort of trying things out, seeing how things go. But I think Cork will be hurting very much so after last year. And they'll be looking at this game as a game to really get one over me. Yeah, indeed they will. And uh, as this is the thing about the league as well, Ashing, as you know well, this year it's so condensed. I mean, that group that also contains Dublin and Waterford, you know, it, there's a short run into the championship. So when you look at how tight the games could potentially be in this particular group, how important is a good run in the league for, for teams like me looking to kick on and for Cork and for Dublin too looking to bounce back? Yeah, I think it's so important. And there's a lot of talk, is the, the league worthwhile? You know, even in the men's game, you know, is it, is it worthwhile? And do people pay attention to it and all of these things? But it's crucial. It's absolutely crucial because the league is where you sort of have the new girls coming in, you know, the girls that maybe have just joined the panel and you have to sort of try them out, try out different structures, try out different tactics. All of these things you're you're able to sort of do this in, in the league. And you also, you don't want to peak too soon. Of course you don't. But you do want to start to find your form and then to push on for, for the championship. And you're never really going to be ready for the championship unless you get, you know, a good run in the league. And, We've seen with, with Mead last year, you know, they ended up winning the, the Division 2 league, the best carry in Crow Park, and that was massive for their momentum to push on. But even sometimes when you're losing, you know, you can lose a game in the league. It, it, it's good to nearly lose because you learn. We've seen that even in the men's game. You know, Tyrone, they got heavily defeated in the men's game and they went on to win the All-Ireland. So things like that, it's just really important because you learn a hell of a lot when, when you're losing. and it, It's important to, to learn when you're winning too, but I think the, the league gives you those opportunities to really try things out and try and find your, your form as, as a team. And uh, yeah, I think that's a, what a lot of the teams will be trying to do. Yeah, you make a very good point there actually about losing in the league and just actually bouncing back and learning from it. And one of the things I've noticed in the, in the lead up to this year's league is that a lot of people are focusing on me, and rightly so. They're the All-Ireland champions. Cork, we're a new manager. But Dublin, and considering Dublin's domination at senior level over the last number of years, there's not really been an awful lot outside of Dublin, perhaps, talk or chatter about Mick Bourne. Now, that'll suit him and his players down to the ground. But you're expecting a backlash from this team, just as much as we're expecting one from Cork this coming year. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mention that because you haven't heard as much and that's all we used to hear, really. You know, obviously Cork, you'd hear a lot about them too, but Dublin really dominated and you, you always, you know, heard how they were doing, you know, about their form going into it, what to expect from them, all of these things. And we haven't heard a hell of a lot, but uh, I think they'll be they'll be happy enough going in as maybe, they're not going in as underdogs, no way, but they're definitely going in a little bit quieter than, than normal and they might like that this year, but we can always expect them to, you know, be on form and they'll be definitely looking at the league again to try things out. And I'd say we will see a hell of a lot of new players in there for Dublin too. We've seen it last year. There was a new crop in there. A lot of the girls that maybe were on the bench previous years were, were starting. So, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely see them challenging and 
I'd never write the doves off, you know. Um, they, I was actually at the launch today and I was speaking to Carla Rowe and she talked about the hurt from last year and she said, you know what, I like to still have a bit of that hurt and I like to bring that hurt into the games when other players don't like to. They like to just part that move on which says, no, I like to keep a bit of that and that sort of comes with me into the game. So I thought that was real fighting talk from her and I definitely got the sense that they're up for it this year. Even just the way you said it there, and knowing Carter Owen, the way she speaks, that's a sure sign, yeah. a warning out to the rest of the country. That's great news for everyone else. <laughs> um, as a player, you're, you're in broadcasting now, but as a player, the split-season approach, I mean, in, whatever about the men's game, for the women's game, the fact that the inter-county is mm-hmm. coming first, Ashling, and the fact that the club comes afterwards, are you a fan of that, or do you think that it's actually working? Because one thing I've noticed with this year is it's so condensed. There's very little time between the league and the championship. You're straight into the championship as soon as you come out of the league, even if you reach the latter stages. But is that as a play, do you think that's what players like, that they like the games coming thick and fast, that they get to train with the county and that it, there is a split season and they can focus on their clubs? And that's a good thing in the long run. But should club come before inter-county or is it fine the way it is right now? I'd like to see how it goes. Like, obviously me now as a club player, um, I definitely, you know, would like to see club come first. And I think for a lot of players, club does come first. But when you're in with the county, it's very hard to prioritise that. And that, that, is, that is what comes first. Even though you, you might want to, you know, put the club on the top of your list, you can't. And I do see with some of the girls on my team now that are they're playing county, they find it very hard to keep everybody happy. And it's tough for them, you know, they're constantly riding in the group or saying, you know, oh, we're here, we're there, like, we won't be there, but uh, we're training, all of these things. And they're constantly trying to keep everyone happy. And I think something that this year might do is they'll get there for the important part of the year, you know, and that's that's when we need them. That's when we want them there. So for me, I'm excited to see what it's like this year. I I do like the way it'll probably finish up that bit earlier, starting earlier. And we'll get them then for, for championships and that's important. And yeah, it just gives the rest of the club players, I suppose, we kick on without without the county players. And and that that's all we can do really. But mm. no, I do I do look forward to seeing how it how it pans out. But I think it, it's a positive thing that it's given them a chance to do both because I think that's a, a win win for everyone, isn't it? It is, and look, we're talking about ladies football. We're excited about the start of the new National League, and when that's over, we're straight into the club championship. Look, we can't really complain, can we, Ashling? Maybe I'm just picking straws here. Um, listen, thank you so much for coming on the Big Red Bench. We enjoyed your analysis, expert analysis there, and if you want to hear more from Ashling, you can find her on Off the Ball um, as one of their top sports reporters, and she covers a wide range of sports there and does it very, very well. Ashling from the Big Red Bench, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us today. Thanks a million, Jerry. Appreciate it. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. UCC hockey player Quiva Perdue joined me on the Big Red Bench to talk about her career, being called up to the Irish women's senior hockey squad travelling to France this week, and what the future holds in 2022 and beyond. Now, it is a real thrill here on the Big Red Bench to be joined by the Irish women's senior hockey international's latest call-up. It's UCC's Quiva Perdue. Quiva, congratulations on joining the Irish senior team. Uh, thank you so much. Um, it's a lovely accolade, but for somebody like yourself who has a lot of experience of Irish international at underage, at 16s, at 18s, you're also still the under-21 captain, I believe. But an opportunity to go to um, France for a week with the senior squad, I think that's uh, you must be really looking forward to, the, uh, to what would be a very positive experience, hopefully, for you. Yeah, I'm absolutely buzzing. It's, it's great to be with a bunch of girls. They're so nice and, yeah, really excited to show what I can do. 
Um, you'll be taking on uh, there's three uncapped games uh, scheduled against the host nation again a very good experience for you and the Irish players that will be involved yeah so we're playing in France in Nice and we're heading away Monday to Friday and we're just playing them in a three match series so it'll be great exposure and great to get a few international games in now, Quiva, uh, we featured a lot of hockey players and a lot of different hockey teams on the Big Red Bench of late because the pop- popularity of the sport, certainly for young girls all around Cork and Munster, seems to be on the increase. Is that something you've seen yourself? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's great to see all the development squads, even in Munster and the interprovincial squads that are on. And I see in Munster, in UCC even, getting to play with the girls I used to play on the underage Munster squads. Um, we get to play again together with UCC and compete in the tournaments now, like the EY. It's, it's just great to play again together. Yeah, and one of the things from that is a lot of those development squads and underage squads have produced players like um, Holly Micklem from Old Alex. They've produced Christina Hamill as well from Loretto and uh, Catherine Egan from UCD and Charlotte Beggs, who's another uncapped player like yourself, who will now be travelling to France. So it seems to me that the Irish Hockey International setup have got it right in that they're bringing people through from provincial level, also from colleges and then from obviously from uh, hockey league teams and giving them a chance to shine before they get to the senior stage. Yeah, 100%. I think it's great to see us develop through obviously provincial level and together as through the Irish system. And it's great that this, on this trip that Sean has chosen to choose not only experienced players, but he's given a lot of opportunities to us that are on the wider squad. Um, from your own point of view, you're obviously playing with UCC um, and playing at a high level week in, week out. But is there much of a step up or how big is the step up, I suppose, is the question from, you know, ho- hockey, Ireland league, hockey league matches in Ireland when it comes to international? Is it a big step up for players who might not have experienced that before? Um, yes, I would say it is quite a big step up going up to international level. And just uh, with the dedication and the time and the effort that you have to put into being on a on a national squad, it, it, it was definitely a step up. And especially I found going from even under 21 to senior, it's quite it's quite tough. Um, mm. But it's great. You learn to push yourself. And I think the support is there and they're really helpful through the transition. The physicality and conditioning um, of top-end senior international hockey. Now, we've seen it with the Irish team over the last couple of years and, and, and the growing army of support that they've gained with their exploits on the international stage but it's, it seems to me Quiva that not long do you have to be honed your hockey skills when you get to this international level but you also have to be physically and mentally ready for it Yes definitely I'd say we put a lot of time and effort into our fitness and also strength and conditioning it's a huge aspect and I found uh, as transitioning again into like say the senior panel like going to the gym more and definitely doing a lot more physical training is one of the aspects you have to take on if you want to make the squad Mm -hmm. because like playing at this high level the game has gone so fast and it's just you have to be not only skillful but you have to be very physical as well and there seems to me like there's so much competition for places now on that women's senior international team any chance you get to impress now you've had opportunities with the Irish under 23s in Spain last summer you also went to Bisham Abbey and played for Ireland uh, uncapped senior against Great Britain what were those two experiences like and how much have they helped you on your road to getting to the senior panel yeah so I've been in and out of the squad for over a year now and I was lucky I got to train obviously through the pandemic as well we had smaller regional sessions and going away on those trips with the girls, 
they made it a lot easier for me to blend into the squad and they're really helpful like having teammates that can push you as well and that give you advice really is helpful and even spending time around other athletes it, it makes you want to push on so going away on the two trips was was brilliant just learning new tactics even and yeah blending with the team was it's great um you're from cashel um so where did yeah. the love of hockey begin and start with uh, well, I suppose I grew up playing Camogie and I loved it. And then I went to Ursuline Convent Hurtis and I picked up uh, hockey in first year. So that was my first real exposure to it. And I just fell in love with like training every day. The Ursuline are great to like um, promote the hockey in the school. And I had really good uh, coaches. I started off under Eva Cregan, who was a senior international. So she was a very experienced and taught me a lot of good habits I'd say yeah you're a defender by by trade I mean um, it's, yeah yeah so I've, I'm often fascinated by that because a lot of young girls it, it, across all different sports that I've seen you know obviously everybody wants to be the striker knocking in the goals or even the mm-hmm. midfielder creating them it's rare that somebody comes up in the def- no maybe maybe I'm wrong maybe you don't want to be a defender but I you've seen <laughs> you seem to be very good at that position it seems to suit you and suit your skill set but is it something that like or do you care where you play as long as you get to play for Ireland um, well, yeah, I, I don't care where I get to say as long as I'm on the pitch. But um, yeah, so I do. I've been always a defender, really. Um, in hockey, we have a sweeper role, which is you have a bit more freedom than a, a usual defender. Just it wouldn't you wouldn't be man marking anyone. So I like the freedom of that position, and I do sometimes play midfield now with um, the under twenty one. So I'm not I'm not stuck at the back. <laughs> Very good. Well, that's good. You're, you're versatile, let's say that. I mean, that's, that's the most important thing. Um, we mentioned the rise in profile and hockey's profile at both interprovincial and international level in the in this country. And it's down to the exploits, as I said, of the Olympics and what the Irish senior team has done. Um, but this is a very important year because there's World Cup, uh, which takes place in July. There's also European Championship qualifiers coming to Dublin in late August. And then the FIH Nations Cup with an opportunity for Ireland to qualify for the FIH Pro Senior League. So it's a good time to be giving the senior management team an idea of what you can do, Quiva. I would assume those types of tournaments are your goals and they're the kind of tournaments you want to be playing in. Yeah, of course, you're always trying to push onto the senior squad. And with this year, we're having so many tournaments, you're hoping that obviously you'd play in any of them or all of them, like anything you can. But um, no, it's great that even the FIH Nations Cup coming up at the end of the year to try and get into the FIH Pro League is a huge opportunity for for like Ireland as a team. As to be playing in that Pro League is a, is a huge step up. Like getting to play international teams like in a league um, during the year, it just you just you play you'll be stronger opponents and you can only only develop from there. Yes, because this is the top end of the standard. This is the top yeah. tier, the types of countries that will bring you along, like results aside, it's the progression of, of, of going up against that kind of talent um, in, in an actual league. Yeah, you get to play against the best and that's mm. the only way you're going to get better, I think. Um, you're still uh, under 21 captain. Is there still an under 21 tournament that you need to, you may well be involved in this year? Yes, so we, unfortunately, are... Junior World Cup was cancelled um, in December due to COVID-19 and fortunately has been rescheduled for April and we're really looking forward to it. It's on in South Africa and 
yeah, we're just buzzing to finally get our chance to go play in the World Cup. How much did COVID affect you, Quiva? Obviously, like everybody else in the country, you were at home, you had to stay within the 5K, you had to go through the whole rigmarole, as we call it. For every athlete that I've interviewed, I've asked more or less the same question. But for a hockey player and trying to hone your skills, how difficult was it at the height of COVID-19? Uh, yes, it was quite difficult for myself, just from being from Cashel in Tuberi. I don't have access to like a lot of hockey pitches around. So I would have done regional sessions in Limerick and Limerick and Cork would be the main hockey bases in Munster. So, you know, just taking over yourself, you'd have to do your gym. You'd have to just, with your at-home weight, you'd have to go for a run yourself. It was quite difficult at the start. But the minute we got back onto the pitch together as a squad, you could just see everyone was just hungry for it. And we just were really excited to get back onto the pitch. It's going to be a busy year. You've gone from, you're one of those international players that's gone from pretty much nothing to now an under-21 tournament in South Africa and hopefully a lot more at the senior level. You must be looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm really excited for this year. There's just so much opportunity and I think everyone, there's such a good vibe up in Dublin when we go up to our national sessions and we're all just really excited to look forward to the year. Excellent stuff. Well, listen, Quiva, we're going to try and keep uh, tabs on your on your progress throughout the year, both at under-21 and senior level um, for uh, Ireland at international hockey level. It's been a pleasure speaking to you, and thank you for coming on The Big Red Bench. No problem. Thank you so much. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork LGFA senior manager Shane Ronane has announced that Mornabby's Maura O'Callaghan will captain the county for the upcoming inter-county season. Dohany's Melissa Duggan is Cork's new vice-captain and I spoke to both players for the Big Red Bench. Now we are delighted to be joined here on the Big Red Bench by the Cork LGFA senior captain for 2022, Mornabby's Maura O'Calla. And Maura, you're very welcome to the Big Red Bench and congratulations on becoming captain. Thanks, Milver. Um, How and when did you find out? Um, so Shane actually rang me on Christmas Eve um, and gave me the news. So I, I was actually, I had had a few too many drinks the night before, so it was a lot to take on at the time. So I asked him, could I give him a ring back in a day or two um, to take it all in? But yeah, so it was Christmas Eve. Um, so exciting news to come just before Christmas Day. Yeah, Mr. Ronan certainly picks his moments. That was a that was a smart move to give you a nice Christmas present. Um, obviously, it's a lovely honour for you, for your family, uh, for Morn Abbey, especially uh, as the county champions and Munster champions. But you mentioned in a, an article with um, Rory Noonan on the Echo uh, about how, you know, it, it's something new to you. Uh, it's something you're going to have to learn about the captaincy role, but there's an awful lot of experience in that dressing room to help you along. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I don't have to look too far from Darren and Kira, my own clubmates, uh, you know, show me the ropes. And then, of course, Martina last year was a fantastic captain. So I know she'll be um, really ready for help if need be. And also she sent a lovely message saying she'd stay up late, answer her phone call at any time of the day if I needed it. So um, there was lovely words from her also. Excellent stuff. You also have a vice captain from West Cork in Melissa Duggan and between the two of you, um, the two of you, I think you're two people that lead by your actions rather than your words. Would that be fair? Yeah, I think that's a very different. I mean, Melissa has been performing fantastically over the last number of years. You know, she's been a, a leader on the team in her own right. Um, I think since she joined the panel and she's very much, yeah, she she leads by doing as opposed to saying, which is good to get the actions out there. 
Um, this this is a really talented Cork panel that's starting its 2022 campaign. I know you're just over the heartbreak of losing an All-Ireland Club final with Moran Abbey, and I don't want to dwell on that. But can you, before you look ahead, you had such a fantastic run yet again this year with Moran Abbey. Um, it was a thrilling run through Cork, through Munster, to the All-Ireland semi-final, that fantastic occasion at home against Dunboyne, a big win. The disappointment notwithstanding of losing to Kilcarran Clonburn. There's an awful lot more now we can take out of this last um, th- this run to the All Ireland final, and I would imagine that you'd be going to get back there again as soon as possible. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like it was a disappointing end to the year, but I suppose we're trying to focus on the positives. And you know, as you said, it like um, it has been a great run, and you you do have to appreciate that you know a lot of teams are striving to re- reach the All Ireland final, and that is a great achievement in itself. Um, so we will be, we'll lick our wounds, I suppose, for the next few weeks and regroup and then hopefully go at it again when the club championship comes around. Does that make the, the quick turnaround uh, for you and the Morabi players uh, into inter-county league action, the fact that it's so fast, does that actually help you a little bit now you're not sitting around and dwelling on it? Yeah, I think so. Like it forces you, I suppose, not to be feeling sorry for yourself for too long and you, you get to focus on I suppose the next task at hand and that's coming into the you know the the league with Cork at the moment so it, it is good for that to reset I suppose and just get going again Yeah and that league is certainly not going to be easy either you're in a very tough group you've got uh, Waterford you've got Dublin and to start things off just a small matter of going to Park Talton up in County Meath to take on the All-Ireland Senior Champions and a team unfortunately that ended Cork's hopes in the semi-finals of last year's championship this is as tough a test as Shane Ronan as the new manager and as the panel could have asked for but this is the kind of thing that Cork always rise to and you'd be going you'd be travelling to Meath looking to put a performance in I would imagine Mara. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like, there'll be, like, loads of players fighting their paces. I mean, everyone's given a chance um, in the league, so everyone will be looking to nail down a pace. And while we won't take too much from the league, because, you know, the random margin isn't handed out at the end of the league, but you still 100% want to be giving a good performance. As And as you said, we've ended our championship last year, so we will be looking to, I suppose, give as good a display as we can against them. And I know they were playing, you know, they played the underdogs there, um, towards the end of last year, you know, and they're still um, performing really well, even though it was like I, I doubt they were doing that much training. So, you know, we will be up against it coming into it now in the next couple of weeks. Um, can I ask you as well, because Shane Ronan is now you're um, not content with shouting at you at club at club games. He's going to be shouting at you at inter-county games as well. But um, that'll be a lovely experience. I know you're all well used to it. But there's a real bond in that Morn Abbey dressing room. It's not really spoken about, but... To, to, to go what he went through, losing three all earns, come back and win two and then reach another one, that takes real, real effort. It takes dedication. It takes all the sacrifice you could ask uh, uh, players to do. But for a manager to lead you back to that, that shows what this guy is capable of. You must, as well as Morabi players and all the non-Morabi players, must be really excited about Shane and a whole new management team taking over. What, like, I know what you, you know what you're going to expect from him, but his impact on Morabi. If he can have a similar impact on Cork, there's no telling what this team could do. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like Shane is a fantastic manager. Um, he's like well able to get the absolute best out of his players. So we know that it'll be really exciting him coming into the team, um, into the management team now this year, um, being the manager. And a lot of the girls, I'd say, are familiar enough with him, even from the like UCC. I know he was involved with the Cork under 16s a number of years ago. So I do think a lot of the girls are quite familiar with what he can bring to the setup, and it is really exciting 
just starting off the year and we've got you know a lot of really experienced management members in and mixed with some of the like I suppose the nutritionist and the um, doctor and physio that we had last year you know it's it's a good mix like it's a lot new and it's a lot of I suppose familiarity for in terms of the medical side of it so it's, it is um, really exciting looking forward to it. And finally, more look apart from obviously having to deal, unfortunately, with the likes of myself in the media as, as the captain, is this something you're looking forward to? I mean, it's a lovely accolade. Not like there's been some fantastic Cork LGFA senior captains down through the years, down through the decades. Um, this is a real honour, as I said, for you. But is it something that you're looking forward to and looking forward to growing into a role that you can re- make a real impact in? Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, it's definitely exciting. You know, it's something I haven't had experience of before. I think I suppose most captains come into that not knowing what they're getting their, themselves into, but it definitely is exciting and it is a huge honour. And I, as I said, I, I am just really grateful, I suppose, that I'm with, like, with a club like Marnaby that has had such, such success over the last few years that it put me in a position to be selected as the captain. Well said. Well, look, everyone here on the big red bench is delighted for you uh, and congratulations on becoming the senior captain. It's well deserved and we're going to be there with you every step of the way through the league and the championship. And we look forward to talking to you again, Mara Callahan. Thanks, sir. Now, we are delighted to be joined here on the Big Red Bench by the new Cork Senior Vice Captain of the uh, Shane Ronan's LGFA squad, and that is Donnie's Melissa Duggan. Melissa, you're very welcome to the bench. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thank you for having me on the bench today. No problem. No bother at all. Um, It's been a while since we last spoke. It's been a very busy time and a very changing time on and off the pitch for Cork uh, football. But from your point of view, um, new manager in Shane Ronan, uh, new backroom team for the coming season, um, the transition, I suppose, from EFI set up to this new setup, it takes a bit of time for everyone to get used to each other. But how have the last few weeks and months gone? Um, yeah, definitely, there's been a big change this year for um, all of us. Uh, you know, EFI set us up so well over the last couple of years, um, and you know, each year going into the year, we kind of knew everybody. You know, we had a the same backroom team and everybody like that, so there was the same faces and. Um, I suppose there was a big change when Shane came on board, um, uh, with the last October, November, um, you know, he, he really wants to make an effort to, um, trial everybody out. Um, we had a couple of new faces, um, on the field, um, and we have a whole new background team. So it did take a while to get used to, um, and I suppose we started back a bit earlier, um, just to make sure that, uh, development stage that ran smoothly and, that we we were going to be all 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 up and going for January, um, because you know with the league starting at the start of February, um, we wanted that change um to run smoothly, um, so it's been a positive start so far. Um, the trainings have been really hard. Um, everybody has been working really well together. Um, there's been good communication on and off the field with people playing college and everything like that. So, um, it's definitely a positive change. Um. He kind of picked up where Evie um, brought us, so um, it's good to see that um, he's, um, you know, trialing new players out and um, trying new positions for people. So it, it, it's a positive change, and um, yeah, trainings have been going very well so far. Yeah, you mentioned the fact that um, Shane has come in and he's, he's he's revamped the backroom team, but there are some familiar faces there for you. Um, certainly, uh, Mr. Dennis Enright, who is the coach, you would have been would have come across with West Cork and also Miriam Forbes from your own Donnie's club. Um, uh, a lovely a moment for her to be part of that setup. But uh, Dinny and Miriam, have you come across them much uh, since they've been involved? Yeah, no, it's fantastic to have um, 
West Cork people involved, especially when West Cork football has been so um, prominent over the last couple of years, I suppose. Um, you know, and it's nice that Shane has recognised the importance West Cork has brought to Cork ladies football. Um, so I really did like the fact that he has incorporated um, West Cork management in the backroom team. Um, so I was delighted to see Dinny um, come on board with us because I just think he's, you know, knows so much about um, ladies football, knows so much about football. Um, so, um, you know, he's been doing a lot of trainings with us um, and kicking drills and everything like that. So it's great to have him on board um, and to have a familiar face. And it's fantastic for Miriam as well um, to have another club representative on the Cork um, senior panel. It's great. Um, and hopefully it'll be a big boost for the Donnie's team and the Donnie's club as well. I had a feeling you'd say something about that, all right. Uh, two Donnie's women involved in the setup can't go wrong. Um, but you're right, Miriam and Dinny, along with the rest of the management team that China's brought in, are, have been putting in a lot of hard work and a lot of hard running from the sounds of things. Can I ask you, because I asked your new captain as well, Maura Callan from Morabi, the same question. Um, when and how did you find out that you were going to be vice captain and how much of an honour is it for you? Um, so Shane rang me, I think it was the New Year's Eve Eve, or it was New Year's Eve, one of them anyway. But um, I was actually in isolation because my family picked up COVID over Christmas. Oh my God. So, um, yeah, so uh, it was it brought great news to everybody at home because we had no other news for the entire week. Um, so everybody was delighted. We actually celebrated that night, <laughs> and um, yeah. So then I had to. Shane didn't know I had COVID, um, so he was like, "Oh, I announced this at training on on Sunday, and this was Friday, I think." And I was like, "Oh, I actually won't be there because I have COVID," and he just started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he seems he's, he seems to like the, uh, the, the his timing of his. Uh, he asked Mara, I think Chris, well, Mara reckons it was Christmas Eve, and you're you're close to New Year's Eve, so yeah, there's 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 a bit of a method to what he's doing, but it is a lovely honour, and like I think it's recognition of um, not just what you've achieved for Cork and Donnie's over the last few years, Melissa, but you you've often told me that you do your talking on the pitch. That you know, you're you're a player that likes to lead by your actions. And I think Mar is pretty much the same. And it's interesting that he's chosen two characters like you, um, that are very, very prominent when you are on the pitch. And I would imagine as a vice captain, as Mar has said herself, there's so many leaders in that court dressing room that it's it's not that it's going to be easy for you, but that there's people you can lean on and ask opinions and, and get get opinions from. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, for sure. Like, um definitely I wouldn't be the most outspoken on the court team. Um, but as you said, um, I do try and lead by example on the field by just giving my best and everything every time I go out. And I suppose myself and Maura would be very similar that way. And um, we do get on very well. And um, uh, like we are similar positions and everything. So, yeah, it is. Um, hopefully the partnership will work out well. Um, you know, I have a great time for Maura. She's, again, she lead by example on the field um so hopefully you know for the other girls and for the younger girls who mightn't be as outspoken you know that they'll get support from that and will have confidence in coming to us for anything and um as you said there is plenty of other leaders on the field um and plenty of other people who'll be able to do the talking <laughs> for us um so uh, um, yeah saying, you know it's just a great bunch of girls yeah, they are. Sorry, no, but yourself and Maura are well able to talk, by the way. Um, I think just from the media <laughs> side of the thing, we're very pleased with that, with the, with the two announcements. Um, 
in terms of getting ready for the championship, the National League was always something is always something that Cork takes seriously or they have a real go off it. Now I know there'll be blooding of new players over the next couple of weeks. But Melissa, the this league campaign is very short and it's very, very it's it's going to be pretty intense. I mean, Waterford never give Cork an easy game, home or away. Dublin, we don't mm. need to talk about. And starting um in the home of the newly crowned All Ireland champions Mead, you couldn't really ask for a tougher start. It's going to be intense, it's going to be tough, and it's going to be, you know, highs and lows over the coming weeks. But I suppose from a player's point of view, is that what you want? I mean, players want to play. They want to train as much as they can, obviously. But games are what bring you on and you're going to have three tough games over the coming weeks. Yeah, for sure. The way the whole um, setup is this year, like there's only about six months left of football for county football. So, you know, every game that comes now, you know, you will have to go all guns out blazing and you'll have to um you know be your best at all times um and you know we do take the league seriously it's a great opportunity for girls you know um to make a place on the team um come championship um you know we've had we've loaded new players last year and the year before and you know the success they've had in championship um has just shown how much they've tried in league um, so it is a great opportunity for players to um, develop in the league. Um, and, you know, I relish the opportunity to play Mead, Dublin and Waterford, as you said. They're all going to be three hard games. But, you know, that's what you want at this time of year. You don't want um, easy games. You want to have big challenges. Um, you know, whatever the results are, you know, those games are way more important than winning or losing. You know, we, we want to develop as a team and we want to be uh, fit and ready to go for championship um, this year uh, you know a lot of girls are still playing colleges and everything at the moment so um, they've been going to college trainings and stuff like that so it, it does give an opportunity for um, other players who aren't in college um, to step up and um, to really take a place on, on the team um, and um, Shane said that there'll be players trialling for the whole league so it's great that there'll be an opportunity for players to um start and come off the bench for the league and to have Mead for the first game um, at home in Mead I don't think I've ever played in Mead before so it, it, you know we are looking forward to the opportunity and um, um, hopefully um, we'll be ready to go um, on the I think the next Thursday week Indeed and listen um, we'll be with you every step of the way here on the Big Red Bench we are delighted as we are for Maura O'Callaghan from Maura Abbey to get the, the captaincy and delighted for you to get the vice captaincy uh, both of you are deserving of those new roles and uh, unfortunately Melissa you'll be talking to the media a bit more than normal because of that but sure I know how much you love that but listen congratulations <laughs> um, thank you for uh, talking to us here on the bench today and we will talk to you above in Park Talton on the 12th when you take on me in the National League opener Thank you so much the Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Jerry Wallace's Cork Minor Camogie squad got their Tesco All-Ireland Series off to the best possible start with a 0-8-0-6 victory away at Galway last weekend. Trevor Coleman's Cork Intermediate Camogie squad were not as fortunate, putting in a battling display before going down to Wexford in Division 2 of the Littlewoods Camogie National League. Both managers joined me on the Big Red Bench and reacted to their respective teams' performances. Now, we're joined on the line here on the Big Red Bench by uh, somebody who's been on our show quite a bit over the last few years, and that's because Jerry Wallace is in charge of the Cork Camogie Miners, and they got their All-Ireland Series off to the best possible start last weekend with a hard-earned eight points to six victory away to Galway. Jerry, first of all, 
congratulations. Um, never easy to go up to Galway and get a win, but you and your team did that. You must be absolutely delighted. We are. We are as a group, uh, the management, the players, I'd say the mothers, fathers, everyone involved, uh, absolutely delighted, Jer, to head up in the first championship of the uh, game of the year and um, to overcome Galway in fairly, fairly atrocious conditions, um, very wintry conditions. And um, we're absolutely delighted, Jer. We're very tired tonight, all of us are, because it was quite a physical battle on the day. Um, the scoring suggested that and Anyone, I think, that was following it on the Twitter and so forth would have realised this game was, you know, a right tough, 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 tough game uh, to be involved in. But uh, we're delighted, Jer, and we're looking forward now to Sunday coming, uh, round two of the championship for us in our group, as we got Dublin here in Cork on Sunday, so we have. Um, you couldn't ask for, uh, I suppose from a manager's point of view, Jerry, you get your victory, which is fantastic. And you get a performance and you get, you know, 60, 70 minutes into the legs of the players, which is exactly the type of thing you need going into facing a team like Dublin. Well, I suppose with with, with minors, I suppose the big worry last Sunday was when you inherit a new group of minors, you have a group that are coming from your year before and then you have this new group that are coming in to join you. You're very unsure in your first game. So how how will they turn up and how they will cope with the occasion and have we done enough training and have we got them at the right tempo and have we got them in the zone for it? But look, last Sunday, fair play to all the other coaches that are around me and fair play to the players. Everyone was in the zone and everyone was ready and everyone knew what they had to do. And we set about going diligently, toughly, and we were very committed. Now, we have lots of things we can work on and we only have a week to work on them, but like this is an ongoing process, I suppose. And... Uh, the most important thing that we are is that we're competitive. So I think we're in a good place, Jor. Um, we just got to be careful this week not to overdo it, make sure that the players are fresh, but at the same time competitive next Sunday uh, as, as a successful day on Sunday against Dublin will lead us into an all-Ireland final or quarter in about three or four weeks' time. Yeah, so, and that, that's the thing. The target is there now for both you and your players. You're at home. Um one of the things I noticed, Mary Newman's report uh, from this particular game and the win over Galway is online and available at echolive.ie. A couple of names I just wanted to pick out very quickly, Jerry, that she mentioned in her report. Um, uh, Fiona Tuig obviously finishing with with four points, Leah Hallahan as well, and uh, Orla Mullins. I mean, on a day of, you know, you had to change pitches, which was another thing that was unexpected, and in such bad weather, those players, I know you don't like putting one player over the other on your panel, but those players seem to have stood up for you. They did, but I suppose there was a lot of players created those scoring opportunities for them. Like, I mean, you take Aoife Barrett there, and Aoife Healy, Aoife Barrett's our full-back, Aoife Healy's our centre-back. You know, and you take our backs, our, our collective six-backs and goalkeeper, they were immense on the day. Our two midfielders, Millie Condon and Adele Sheehan, were work, work. They just worked and worked and worked. And Millie slipped in nicely as our sweeper in the second half, just behind the centre-back. And, like, I've got to give huge credit to the girl at the Catalans. Like, um, oh, my God, she was absolutely brilliant to the Catalans. She created the scores for those girls that got the thoughts and the echo report. Like, and it was a collective unit on the day, Jor. We had two young 17-year-old girls uh, started as well, like, and they were tremendous in the forward line. Like, they were absolutely fabulous. But the whole group, Jor, the whole group went up there on a mission. Like, Galway... You know, the venue switched at the last minute. It was nine o'clock. I was coming out of Party Cueve on Saturday night, having been in to see the car corridor spin. I was heading home when all of a sudden all the drama started with the venue 
Then there was a pitch inspection on the morning. We were up halfway up the country, still not knowing whether we were playing the match. There was lots of things going on, Joe. And, God, we were trying to win the game, see? You know, and get us upset. But we kept we kept our players in a good zone and in a good good calm manner. And when the time, when the, the throw-in started, we, like, we lost the toss. And we, we, we had to play with the wind, but we, we only turned in four points to two at half-time. So it was a right battle, so it was just. And um, they got a run, and it was just after half-time. They levelled the game within two or three minutes. But we, we, we stuck to the task, and the girls just knuckled down, and they worked the ball very intelligently between each other. And like they've left us with lots of things to work on, so hopefully, Jared, we get the result on Sunday that we're looking for. There'll be no complacency from Cork next Sunday, none. I can assure that to anyone. We'll be going there looking for the two points and looking to make sure that we're qualifying for the quarterfinal and semi-final because that's where we want Cork to be. We want to be in a season in this year fighting for the title that we can. Well, that's fantastic. And uh, listen, congratulations again, Jerry, from everybody here on the Big Red Bench. We're delighted. First step of a, hopefully a long and successful season for the Cork Miners. We'll be with you every step of the way. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us on the Big Red Bench. You're very welcome, Jerry. And I, I just want to say, look, thanks to all the support that we looked up from Cork because it was absolutely amazing yesterday, George. The place was packed. It was like uh, one of the old traditional games. We go to. It, it was the place was joint to such was with people. There was people everywhere, and we had great support from Cork and from the Cork following. And once again, thanks to yourselves again for the coverage. Service will come out to Cork watches, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you, George. We will indeed, Jerry. Mind yourself. Oh yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. The Cork Intermediate Camogie panel got their uh, Division Two, Littlewoods Division Two National League campaign off to a start last weekend in Castle Road. Defeated uh, nine points to fourteen by Wexford. Um, unfortunately, the result didn't go Cork's way. But manager Trevor Coleman joins us on the line here now on the Big Red Bench to talk about the positives from that performance. Trevor, you're very welcome to the bench. How are you? Uh, thanks, Joe. You're very welcome. Now the result. You know, not, if losing 14-9 at home to a really strong Wexford team is one thing, but the positives, and there was a couple of things about your, your lineup last last weekend as well. Um, you were missing a few players, um, tough weather conditions, a lot of things on the day itself. But look, as the first day out goes, from a manager's point of view and your backroom team's point of view, what are the positives that you were able to take out of the performance? I, I suppose, looking back at it, Joe, uh, on the day, I'm very disappointed to come away, but looking back on the video and looking back on the stats, to be fair, the goals worked very hard. The GPSs, the Alcambros were, were up, which was a good sign. And look, to be fair, you said it, we were missing. We, to be fair, were working with the colleges. We left three off that are in the semi-final day, Aspons, this week. We had another two on holidays and we have three injuries, which I won't expect this time. Either. So, in all in all, it's Mexico's first team. They are, they are going to get back up seniors. So, we thought going down there, yes, we would be up against this. We watched them against Cox the week before, and they're a very good side. They've been on the road now three years. They're well-trained. So we knew the game we were coming up against. They put 11 behind the ball. And I think we tried hard at times. We got back to 11 uh, just before half-time. Again, gave away two silly mistakes just before half-time, which gave them a two-point lead. and gave them the initiative going into the second half. But to be fair, all goals worked hard. They brought it back to a draw. And again, I think just we, we've, we're only together four weeks. We've trained very hard the last four weeks. And I think we just toiled towards the end as well, which is understandable, you know, in, in the circumstances that, that we're in, you know. Um, you also used your subs bench. You made four subs. So you got, some, you got a lot of players on as well. Um, how difficult were the conditions, Trevor? And how much did that kind of, was it a factor in the game? It, it was actually, it was, they were very poor, very poor the conditions. If you're even, like, we, we we missed a lot of drop shots, uh, a lot went wide uh, on the near side against the wind, you know. So 
again, the Castle Road is always the same. Very, very hard to judge. And you can see that by the scoring. The scoring was very low. Like scoring in Camogie, you know, it's gone, it's gone up the level. So looking at that scoreline, it, it was very low on the day. You know, we missed a few trees as well on the day that well, hopefully in better conditions we'd expect to get, you know. Yeah, like Joanne Casey ended up with seven frees for you, but as you said, in those kind of days, you know, those kind of conditions, it's very hard to, very hard to land them. Looking at it from, from as you said, like you've looked at the statistics, you've looked at the video, you've done the GPS. Like in a couple of weeks' time, you're going up to Kildare now. I mean, will you, you, you don't know how many of your players you'll have back at that point. You might have the Ashburn Cup players back at that stage, but as you know, it, it's early days in the season. I suppose Trevor is the big thing here. Like it's, it's the National League. You want to do well, but from your point of view. What are you looking to get out of the league more than anything this year? I, I think, to be honest, you you hit the nail in the head. It's, it's to get to know the golf, and they need to get to know us as well. You know, it, we're like it's a, we took of all we took on board all the last year's panel. We've added a few twists. We've a few ex senior players that we graded that are down playing with us. So, so to try and blend all them in the space of four weeks was always going to be hard, and we knew that. But to be fair, there's a good buzz in training. There's a good buzz amount uh, uh, of management. So things are looking up. Going up to Kildare again. You're going up to, to the unknown, you know, Kildare of Joe Quaid, I believe, involved now this year. So, again, I, 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 they, they'll be a different animal compared to last year. So, again, he, he'll have them ticking well, I, I would presume. So, we're in for a battle again going up there. But, again, it's all a lot. The league is a learning course. But this big thing we need to watch out for is the relegation this year in the league. We, we mm. need to avoid that, you know, and and get the balance right of trying out players as well, you know. Um, as much as a player's touch and you know the skill on the ball and when they get the ball in hand is is hugely important and getting that experience in inter-county level Trevor what about the physicality the strength and conditioning side of it now has never been more important how much does a game like that against Wexford bring your players on it, it, usually usually we knew going down there that it would be a, a dogfight Wexford are a physical team we watched them against Cox the week before they bring 11 behind the ball they like to get the ball to the floor. They like the rocks. They like to win the ball on the floor. So, again, in times we dealt with it. To be fair, we, we've a strength and condition coach on board since the Saturday on Matt Eaton. So, he, he's doing a good job with the goals. To be fair, they have their gym programs, which they've asked for uh, from last year. They, they want to be as close to the senior setup as possible. And that's what we're trying to do for them. You know, so it's, it's like they need to do a lot themselves. But to be fair, we see the we see the results coming in from the gym programs, and it's a work in progress. Again, unfortunately, we haven't got much time because of the season it is. With the split season, we're out first. We really like a bit more time, but look, we're working hard for it, and I, I honestly believe we'll get there, and we, we are good enough to get there. You know. As do we, Trevor, here on the Big Red Bench. Listen, we'll be we'll be with you every step of the way. Good luck. Um, we'll talk to you hopefully before that Kildare match. But um, it was great for you, great of you to come on tonight and talk to us here on the bench. And uh, all the best for that next day. Out. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, William. Thanks for your support. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM. This year's Munster, LGFA and Camogie Under-16 Championships are fast approaching. I caught up with both inter-county managers, Cork Camogie's Donny Daly and Cork LGFA's Dominic Gallagher, to hear how preparations are going. Delighted to be joined uh, on the Big Red Bench by the Cork Under-16 Camogie manager for the coming season, and that is Donny Daly, a man we know well from last year and year before on the bench. Donny, um, how are you? Back for another year of it? Hi, Ger Harting. Yeah, back for another year. Uh, look, we're delighted. Um, it's, uh, it's, look, it's great. For the first to thank the county board and the clubs for having uh, stating us again for, for another year. This is our fifth year to be involved uh, at under 16 level. And, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's, 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 it
for for um for for allowing us to to, to be involved again. Yes, and it's great to see somebody with your enthusiasm, you know, involved at this very very important age group. Um, without we're not, we're not going to talk about last year. We've covered all of that, but this year. Let's talk about where you are right now and you and your management team. How have, you've settled on your squad, you've announced your squad. How long did it take you to do that and uh, what was the trial period like and the quality of the players that you came across? Yeah, look, the quality is, is immense. Our year in year old, we have um, a multitude of girls that, that are, are, are able to get this grade. And, and all of, unfortunately, you can only pick 29, 30. Um, there's probably another 60 girls that, that are there, thereabouts in the county at any, any given time. We, we, you're right, we, we have our panel picked. We have um, been on the like we started the trial period back in end of October, start of November. We did uh, three weeks of trial. Uh, we had 120 girls from every, I think nearly every club in the, in the county. Um, Every club was, was given an opportunity of sending at least one girl. Um, I suppose what we do, there, and we've been over a few years now, we go to a huge amount of games, uh, under 14, under 15, under 16 games over the course of, of each year. And between myself and, and the rest of the management team, we, we nearly have everything covered by the time we get to trial. So we try and I want to be able to have this panic, but we, we know the girls, we've, we've seen the girls and, it's not. It never comes down to a trial. It never really never comes down to you know how how a girl plays in a trial or if they're good or bad on, on the day. We've seen them. We know what they're about. And um, look, it, it, we can be pleasantly surprised if a girl kind of comes out and over. Um, but it, it very rarely happens. We've, we've done so much homework uh, by the time we get to trials. We nearly kind of know. Um, you know, the, we only know the best sixty in the county that season. It's only kind of getting down to the fine person and that, that's the hard part. We have about 120 girls over three, three weeks um, and, you know, it's 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 tough, it's hard. Um, it's a penalty between, you know, probably 60 of them, but I suppose you have to, have to kind of buy the bullet and, 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 and make your panel as best you can. Yeah, it's it's one of those things with a coach and a management team. It's one of the hardest parts of that job is probably telling a player that they haven't made the, the panel for the coming year. But the players that you've got and that you've been training and working with now over the last number of weeks, what's next? Because you're 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 in the throes of preseason training. But in terms of the calendar and the schedule and what's coming up for the Cork Under Sixteen Kamogi team, um, what lays ahead for you? Yeah, we like look. We start early. We're probably always the first. We have we learn from our mistakes. We're the first country in the league. Under sixteen every year, uh, we I just we just finished our eleventh session tonight, um, and we we played three games. Then I'm a car minor selection and a trial selection. We played the Offaly minor and we played the Kildare minor over the last couple of weeks, um, and we're we're training on Thursdays and Sundays. So we we we've enough. We we've a good bit done, and it's, and it's only January. Um, we will have the first round of Munster on the 26th of March and that's a way to Clare this year they have a backdoor system so if we win our first round uh, we go straight into the semi-final which kind of you know it's done in uh, end of end of April so there's a bit, a bit of a gap but look we go home we try and win every game um, the All-Ireland series won't start until kind of the 26th of June um, and that would be uh 
the Long Goblin, three three teams and the top team goes to the semi-final. Same as last year. So it's, it's, it's between now and March, we'll, we'll have a lot of a lot of training sessions. We'll have a lot of um, games. We try and get a game. It's just hard to get games to be honest. Um, the minor, we'll, minor counties will be in the throws in their championships so then we can't get games against them. Um, and it's like only playing other 16 teams throughout the, the, the country because, you know, you, you don't like to show your hands either, you know. Mm. But as regards standard and quality, and we, we just said something, we reckon then this is a kind of a, probably a bold statement that this is probably the best uh, prepared team at this stage in, in, in January that we've ever had. So the, the fitness levels, the enthusiasm, the, I suppose the attitude of these girls is, is something that's, you know, it's up there with, with the best things we've, we've ever had. Well, that's great to hear and it's great to hear that enthusiasm is there even this early in the season as you said but that March 26th day won't be long coming around um, and the early stages of the championship I mean you know as you said yourself like when you're in the throws or preparing for it you know that time doesn't doesn't be long going and I suppose finally just to say to you Donny I mean this year is probably a big year for players of this age grade because they've had so little activity because of COVID but it's the same for management it must be a lovely feeling to be back out in the training pitch without restrictions getting a, getting a panel ready for an inter-county championship season but for the players particularly considering the lack of game time and training that they've had over the last two years at a very critical time in their development I would imagine when it hit 16 as well it must be all good vibes at the moment Oh it's, it's, it's brilliant Joe sure. and it's it, 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 great to be out and to the shackles of, of COVID but it's a testament to the to these twenty nine girls that at this stage uh, having having you know had COVID the last two years to be so fit and so enthusiastic and looking forward to, to the year ahead. And um, we're like we're really uh, excited about the the coming months. Um, and if, I I would urge people you know throughout the country that to get a chance to go and see these girls say you know in Munster or the other like get down to Catch Road and watch these girls. And and club coaches, if they can bring bring their under fourteen teams down and watch these girls play, um, because they're putting an awful lot of work into it. They will put an awful lot of work into it, um, and it's nice for them um, to get, I suppose, be recognised by their own county um, and their own clubmates um, to to kind of show like. Excellent stuff, and we will be there with you, Donnie, every step of the way, reviewing, previewing, and all the matches and everything that comes with it. We're delighted to have you back with the Cork Muggy Under 16 panel this year, and hopefully, you might even get a chance to talk to some of the players between now and the end of the championship. Um, thank you very much for uh, joining us once again on the Big Red Bench. Thanks. Now, we are joined on the line by the 2022 Cork LGFA Under-16 manager, and that is Dominic Gallagher. Dominic, you're very welcome to the Big Red Bench. Thanks, Chair. Delighted to be here. Uh, it's good to talk to you again. Um, uh, as ever, uh, there is no quiet time. There is no downtime when it comes to Cork LGFA. And no. you have been, you and your backroom team have been incredibly busy in finalising a squad. And I'm delighted to see uh, a huge amount of ta- huge amount of talented players on that squad. And also, encouragingly, Lots of different clubs and divisions represented. Yeah, it's been um, yeah, it's been a busy, hectic schedule. Like we started back in you know, the, uh, the end of November, and um, we, we trialed about uh, over three hundred girls. Trialed, there's huge interest in the trials. Um, 
and uh, with seven days of trials, double trials, many days, and uh, it's a really tough job to actually get through them all and to, to see everyone and to try and get the the best of talent out of, out of that in the end. And yeah, it's um, we've ended up with thirty six players, high quality players. We're really excited about what we've got. Um, as you said, there's a good spread of clubs. I think there's twenty one clubs represented on the panel um, from from all. Divisions, um, so it's it's hugely exciting. They're 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 a brilliant bunch. We had our first training session just last night, and there's great buzz already. Um, you know, it was a tough training session, but there was a, there was a fabulous atmosphere there. They, they look, they seem like a, a super bunch. They've a great attitude so far, and um, yeah, really looking forward to the year. Good stuff. Now, it was a very, very good year for Cork last year, albeit only as far as the Munster Championship, where Cork won under 14 and under 16 honours. There's a different calendar this year, thankfully, now that COVID has gone. So, not only are you, are you busily preparing, but it lo- hopefully you'll have a long campaign that could go well into the, uh, well into the year. Yeah, well, it, 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 it's back to the, the normal calendar year, I suppose. Um, you know, there's a Munster Championship that will run off in April. Um, and uh, an All Ireland series, like you, you have to win Munster to qualify for the All Ireland. So um, the initial target, we won't be looking beyond that. But there is an All Ireland series planned. I know, like you know, that hasn't happened for the last, uh, or yeah, the last two years. So it's been tough for the guys. But look, the, the guys last year, you know, these were was put in front of them, and you know, um, did what they could in, in difficult circumstances. Thankfully, that that's kind of seems to be clearing up for us. Um, it looks like that we have a. You know, we've a blank calendar that we can work away. We can get get girls training, and we can um, plan for a, hopefully a normal year and hopefully a very successful year. Yes, indeed. And you've also put together a very impressive management team. <clears throat> Excuse me. Delaney's Connor yeah. Quinlan, Mallows Martin Nagel, Kilnamina's Michelle Delay, Bannon Colleagues Paddy Lucy, Douglas's Brian Boyle, and Mayfield Sheila Walsh. A nice mix of experience in different uh, faculties there, and you'll be hoping they and yourself can guide this team to uh, a bit of success. Yeah, there's a, yeah, a lot of experience there to get to. Every one of us has been involved in either in county or, or development squads over the last couple of years and, you know, at different levels. So, you know, I'm delighted to get, um, you know, all of you guys on board. And it's, um, yeah, it, it's, it, it's good to have a management team that almost matches the players. Um, and just from your point of view, Dominic, a lot of these players have been out of action in terms of because of COVID in the last 18, 24 months. Um, there's been very little on-field action. Now they're all coming back at the same time. They're all very eager, obviously. So you, But you've got to watch for things like injuries and people doing too much too soon. But I would imagine that you've got your training schedule laid out and you know exactly where you're going for the next few months. Yeah, we do. We've got all planned out. And I suppose Michelle Delay is going to central to that and you know, um, injury prevention is a huge thing and, and at this you know this age group as well you know, are, are prone to, to injuries and so we're, we have a plan in place to, to look after the girls you know, I've been in discussions with Tony Daly who was the you know, the 16 Camogie manager we, we have a crossover there eight players and um, yeah I mean the, the players are central to everything we do so um, you know we've got to mind the players and and look after their, their health and um, you know the I suppose we'll come just come out of COVID. We're talking about health, but we're always talking about their, you know, their well-being and their their fitness. And you know, workload is a massive thing for for girls at this age. You know, they play on so many teams. So we'll be keeping an eye on that and working with Camogie as well, and working with any other any other club teams the girls are involved with. 
Good stuff. Yeah. yeah, and as you said, like it's it's pretty much a full on because when you've got so much crossover with Kabogi and they're play, they're playing all these extras extra school games and whatever like it is uh, it is quite a lot back all at once and just from your own point of view Dominic let's not forget the coaches and the management team it must be nice for you to actually get back out of the training pitch and work with a Cork team again yeah well uh, I suppose yeah I was back in Cadoub last night and it's not, it's not that the seniors were down there again so that, you know it, it didn't seem that long ago but you know um, it, it, it's just great it's, it's great to get back and you know like the boys said that there was a after training session outside, I, I think the girls are, are are really keen. You know, this, this is the group that that lost out in 2020, lost an under 14 um, uh, year basically, and then and again 2021 it was largely affected. So it's really exciting for them to to finally have have a glimmer of a, of a championship out in front of them. And uh, you know, as I said, they're they're hugely excited. They're they're very talented, um, and it's up to us now to try and bring the best out of them. And no better group of people to do that. Listen, Dominic, we'll be in touch with you throughout the year here on the Big Red Bench. We'll be following the Cork Under-16 footballers all the way through the Munster and hopefully into our other series. Thank you very much for your time. Yep, that's great, Jared. Thanks very much. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. AFLW expert and coach to the stars, Mike Curran, is back with me on the Big Red Bench for another weekly review and analysis of how our Irish players fared in the latest round five of Australian Rules football. Delighted to be joined now by AFLW Ireland uh, coach and expert, uh, Mike Curran, once again for our weekly slot on Aussie Rules and the Irish women that are doing well down under. Uh, Mike, you're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench. Thanks, man, Jared. Great to be back. Uh, we start this week with some bad news, some disappointing news, and an injury uh, to Tipperary star Ashing McCarthy, and uh, a real disappointment for her with a fractured wrist. Um, what uh, for the West Coast Eagles? Uh, this is really disappointing and sad news, Mike. Oh, terrible news. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, good for Ashing personally. You know, it's so early in the season. She's in such tremendous form. Unfortunately, she went off early in the game in the first quarter against Geelong with a hand injury. Uh, she did not come back on, so we su- suspected the worst. But it was confirmed just yesterday there that she's uh, broken two bones in her r- wrist. So she's in a cast for six weeks. And that's her season over, unfortunately. So uh, she's got it herself. And I know the, the Eagles, it's a huge loss to the Eagles because she was such an integral part of their midfield there. But obviously, first and foremost, uh, we wish Ashley well and, and that we hope to see her back in action as soon as possible. I was chatting to her last night. She's in good spirits. I was chatting to our parents. Everyone's disappointed, but already they're talking about looking forward to next year. Um, unfortunately for Ashley, it's two seasons in a row now where her year has been cut a little bit short due to injury. So um, the main thing is that she's going to be okay and hopefully we'll see her back in action soon. Yeah, and let's, let's wish her all the best. Now, another Eilish, Eilish Considine, has had a much more positive week. Why is that, Mike? Oh, yes. Uh, if Ashley was the bad news story of the weekend, Eilish Considine is definitely the, the good news story of the weekend. It was a huge weekend for her. Uh, Eilish is the fairy tale, Irish fairy tale AFLW story, you know, going right back to um, the start of her journey. And I was very lucky to be involved in some of those milestones along the way myself. I flew out to Melbourne with her when she went in search of her AFLW dream. I flew up to Adelaide with her when she signed her contract. And she has been flying herself ever since then. You know, in her first season of AFLW in 2019, not only did she get to a grand final, she won a grand final to become the first ever Irish player to win an AFLW Premiership. And to top that off, she scored a goal in that grand final in front of 53,000 people at a packed Adelaide Oval wow. against Carlton, who incidentally she was playing this weekend 
And it's her third start in a row. Normally she plays off half-back more recently. It was her first time starting in the full forward line. She scores two goals, you know, so the light is real. To me, she's a more natural forward. I love to see her up there. When the Crows play her up front, it pays dividends and she gets the goals. A big performance from her. I, the Crows tend to play her a little bit more off half-back because she's got a very unique skill set in that she's equally strong off both feet. So they like to utilise that to open up both sides of the ground coming out of defence. But when she goes up front, she's electric. Um, two more goals, two great goals. The Crows are rampaging and I'm pretty sure they'll be around at final time and hopefully we'll see Ailish playing all the way through to the finals as well and you never know, she might be back in another grand final again. Wow, and like as confidence boosts go, Mike, for somebody with a player of her talent, this is really going to help her kick on now. Oh, for sure. Like Ailish is a real confidence player and I know like Crows is probably one of the strongest squads in the league at the minute. It's very hard to get into the team and stay in the team so she's missed a couple of weeks. She's in a couple of weeks so like she's really, uh, really strong and determined mindset that when she gets her opportunity, she takes them. It was similar for her last season. You know, she missed a few games due to injury and a few mishaps, such as like she got attacked by a dog, like crazy stuff that she couldn't make up. But she got her chance for last year's grand final. And even though they went down to Brisbane Lions and Orlo O'Dwyer, um, Ailish has played her best game in that grand final. So when she gets her opportunity, she takes them. I know she loves to score goals. So those two goals at the weekend would be a huge confidence boost. And um, hopefully we'll see plenty more of that to come. Brilliant stuff. Great to see that. Um, now let's talk about a surprise result. Uh, North Melbourne overcoming the previously, uh, the flying at the Fremantle Dockers winning 26-16 and Aileen Gilroy um, playing a pivotal role. Oh, this was going to be one of the games of the weekend and that's the way it turned out. You know, like last season, North beat Fremantle by one point um, in round nine. There wasn't anything in it. Fremantle, of course, were unbeaten this time round. But the game was played down in Tasmania in Hobart. North are actually North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos. So they have a group of girls based out of Tasmania. So it's effectively a home game for them. They've, they've never lost there. So as it turned out at the weekend, they've kept their unbeaten run in Tassie. It's gone seven games on the trot that they won down there. Um, yeah, what can you say again? Alien was brilliant for North Melbourne. You know, she is leading the AFLW for interest the whole competition. You know, they, they call her Gilly at North Melbourne. We started to christen her Gilly the guillotine here at home because because she cuts off so many attacks. If that sticks there, you heard it first on the Women's Sport podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Alien is invaluable. She, she does what she does. She does week in and week out. And um, what a win for North. Uh, they celebrated that one in style. And of course, on the flip side, for Fremantle, it's been a big few weeks for them. Like they've been away from home for four weeks in a yeah. hub in Melbourne. I was going to ask. Uh, yeah, sorry to interrupt you, Mike. Um, I was going to ask why so many games in such a short period of time for Fremantle. So basically, it was a similar situation for Fremantle and West Coast Eagles in that there's border restrictions in Western Australia. Ah. So when they went to Melbourne, they basically formed a hub, and I suppose the idea behind the fixtures was that they would then play as many games as possible before they went back to Western Australia in case there was any, um, or the restrictions don't lift and it impacts the fixtures down the line. So, effectively, I think Fremantle played four games in 16 days. They've won three of them uh, on the road. They've just gone down short to north. Um, so, they'll be happy enough with that result. They're they're back home in Perth now and they're, they've got Carlton at home this weekend. Um, Anya Ty has been brilliant. She was fantastic again at the weekend. You know, she's our AFLW Ireland Irish Player of the Year. Um, 
She had 14 disposables, a lot of big kicks. So was, she took marks. There was one mark where she kicked the ball and the commentators were screaming that it was gone about 60 metres. You know, she's really uh, delivering off this new role that she's found on the half-back line now for Fremantle. So it's uh, fantastic for her as well. Uh, and no doubt uh, Fremantle will, will bounce back from that as well. Yeah, good stuff, and it's great to hear that. Um, it's great to see that uh, you know somebody of her talent again, as we've been mentioning, like a lot of play- Irish players, is the consistency uh, for Aileen Gilroy and Anya Tyke as well. Uh, even though she came out of the losing side, her name keeps popping up, and it's great to see those Irish names prominent each week in the headlines. Another name that is prominent this week, Mike, and hardly surprising to you, someone that would know her quite well. But the reigning premiers, the Brisbane Lions, um, defeating Collingwood and Orla O'Dwyer again, grabbing a lot of headlines. Definitely. Look at it. It was a case of the Lions roar in Maroochydore. They were up in the Sunshine Coast. As it turns out at the weekend, it was the windy coast. Uh, the game was ravaged by high winds. Um, they were taking on Collingwood. Brisbane kept Collingwood scoreless in the first half, and Collingwood had the wind and then made a big jump in the second quarter with three goals themselves. And they pushed on from there with like 17 inside 50s to nil. Um, Orla was brilliant again. You know, she kept Lions on the front foot. She was named amongst their best on ground. Uh, just as uh, Gilly is leading the AFLW for intercepts, Orlo O'Dwyer is leading the full AFLW for metres gained. You know, that's phenomenal. Um, I've done a lot of work with Orla and Brisbane Lions over the last couple of close seasons. And what we focused on uh, the last time she was home was just opening up that left side, arcing onto her natural left kick. And that is paying dividends. Like she's just delivering ball after ball deep into the forward line and impressing week after week. You know, prior to this game, she was the MVP, most valuable player for Brisbane Lions for the three games that they played. You know, this sort of stuff is unheard of. As you said earlier, the Irish are literally dominating uh, in terms of the uh, accolades and the stats and all of that across the board. But yeah, Orla in sensational form and they go to St Kilda this weekend and will likely continue their winning ways down there. Yeah, it's great to see her doing so well. And again, that word consistency that you keep using, you've worked with these players, you're now seeing the consistent levels of performances and that's being reflected in the headlines in Australia, not just by us featuring the Irish players, which is even better. Finally, Mike, um, Lauren McGee and Sinead Godrick, two more Irish players having really good seasons. Melbourne Demons um, beat the Gold Coast Suns 38-26. Two more players again that are doing very well for their particular team. Yes, they definitely are. And if it was windy up in, in the Sunshine Coast, it was windy down in Melbourne and Casey Fields as well. But Melbourne don't mind. They've now gone 10 games unbeat at Casey Fields since round one, 2020. So they'll over there. They'll take a hail rain or shine. Uh, a big win against the Suns, built mainly off that half-back line, just repelling attack after attack. Goldie was brilliant as, as usual. And great to see Lauren McGee back in. And I'm really hoping that she's doing enough to nail down a place there, you know, She'd missed out the previous two weeks and I was chatting to Lauren and she had an opportunity to be named as the emergency the week before and she declined that uh, in lieu of staying in Melbourne and playing a reserve game. So she's really got this dedicated mindset where she just wants to work, work, work and she got her rewards. She got her game at the weekend and played and when Lauren McGee and Sinead Goldie both both start for Melbourne, they don't lose. So I, I hope the Melbourne coaches are taking note of that and that we see both, both Lauren and Goldie lining up um, for a number of games going forward. But yeah, it was back to winning ways for Melbourne. Um, that's four wins out of five for them now, so they're back in contention. They are indeed. And just to wrap up, we'll have a look at the ladder and at the very top, the Adelaide Crows on 20 points um, with the game spare over Fremantle, who are also on 20. Then you have two clubs on 16, Melbourne and North Melbourne, the two Melbourne clubs there. Uh, Brisbane moving up the table, thanks to Orlo Dwyer. They're on 12 points, as are Collingwood, 
um, having played a game more. The uh, just into the moving into the bottom half of the table, you've got Gold Coast, the Giants, um, of course, uh, Breed Stack and Coruscant. They didn't play this week because of COVID restrictions. Uh, their game had to be postponed. Richmond, then uh, Geelong, the Bulldogs, Carlton, all on four points, and West Coast and Saint West Coast and Saint Kilda still struggling and looking to get off the mark. Mike, as ever, it's been another action-packed week of AFLW. Thank you so much for your expert analysis, and we look forward to talking to you again next week on the Big Red Bench. Not a problem, Jerry. Looking forward to it. The Big Red Bench. Game on. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Munster Women's Rugby Chairperson Wendy Keenan is back on the Big Red Bench for another look at the past week's Women's Rugby International and Munster Provincial Storylines. Now our weekly Munster Women's Rugby slot with Chairperson Wendy Keenan is back once again this week. I've had a great reaction to it so far from social media, so thanks to everybody who's gotten in touch about it. Wendy, you're very you're welcome back again. Uh, people are talking about all this. This is This is great for Munster Women's Rugby. Absolutely fantastic and, and great to be here a third week in a row and um, this is what we expect such exposure but um, we'll take it and, and thanks very much. And deservedly so. Let's start, let's crack on because we have a lot to get through. Let's start with international, uh, some international news about Neve Briggs, fantastic player, joining Ireland as an assistant coach. Yeah, we're absolutely delighted here in Munster that Neve has been named as Ireland women's uh, assistant coach under Greg McWilliams who's the most recent appointment uh, uh, as the Irish coach. And she comes with a wealth of experience. Neve has 62 caps for Ireland. She has two Six Nations uh, you know, winning titles. She was captain for one of those. So not only does she bring you know, her playing experience to the role, um, most recently I think she brings her coaching experience to the role. She was ex- assistant coach this year with Munster, you know, who, who won the Interpros. She was head coach with UL Bohemians. And she was a back coach you know, before that under Fee Hayes. So I suppose it's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful announcement from Munster here. And we mentioned last week about role models and we talked about our seven models. And um, this is another really important appointment, I suppose, that we see, you know, all aspects of the game. And then we have a former uh, player, a current provincial coach taking up that national position. You know, it's mean a great leader and a role model for, for young girls in the game. Indeed, and very well said. And, and like Neil Briggs, the name alone, I think any player that will get the chance to work with her will will, um, will be glad of the opportunity. And will certainly improve. You mentioned interpros there and the interprovincials. Nine players have been called up to the Irish training squad. This is more good news for Munster Women's Rugby. Yeah, I, I am great. You know what I mean. So we're we're delighted that we've, you know, nine of those players were involved with the, the winning team, the winning of the interpro title, you know, by the Munster team, and um, which is absolutely fantastic. Now, um, I suppose when you look at the list, you might say, well, there's not nine playing with Munster clubs when you see um, the UL Bohemians girls, but um, some of those girls are Dublin-based and would have play, are currently playing with the Dublin clubs, but would have represented Munster in the most recent Interpros. And I suppose just to highlight too, maybe Nicole Cronin is back in the squad. Nicole plays with UL Bowls and has moved most recently from her position at nine to ten. So um, you know, we'll watch that space and, and hopefully Nicole will be back in there for the Six Nations. And then Chloe Pierce, um, who plays with UL Bowes as, as well, she missed out on playing in the with Ireland in the November internationals due to COVID. So hopefully we'll get to see Chloe wear the green jersey in the Six Nations. Yeah, it's all year. and it is. It, it's very positive, uh, Wendy, because like it, like nine players from a province, you know, so people on the outside may not realise this, but considering the quality of Irish women's rugby right now. That's a real sign of intent that Munster are on, are on are on the right course. If you can get that many people into a training squad, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know what I mean. So, we, I mean, our goal we have nine at the moment. Our, obviously, our goal maybe that one or two might sneak in with their performances as they're watched. 
um, you know, it's been around the province. Greg McWilliams has been uh, very open since he came into the role with the um, with the provinces and very transparent, I suppose, with his, with his plans for the future uh, and and creating that important pathway to the green jersey. So, look, hopefully, we might even add to that nine. You know, what I mean, over the coming weeks, with strong performances from other from other girls around the province. Indeed. And speaking of the province, uh, coming up in early March, you have an event uh, celebrating Munster players past and present. Yes, on the 5th of March, we'll be holding an event in Thomond Park that's been kindly sponsored by Bank of Ireland, Biagio and Teams. And as you mentioned, it's celebrating all those past players um, um, that have played for the province and they'll be honoured on the day um, at a reception. Um, and that includes, I suppose, those managers and, and the coaches too that have been involved. And while we've done our best over the last, you know, between three years, tracking down players and email addresses, we're very cognizant of the fact that we might have missed one or two or there might be an email sitting in a, in a junk folder. So we'd ask any girl that, are, uh, that has played for Munster to please check those email uh, addresses and uh, the junk folders and reach out to us. You know, we're all over social media with uh, MunsterPathPlayers at gmail.com um, or indeed past coaches and managers. We do hear you and, 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 from you and see you at the event. Yeah, that's a really nice idea and and a lovely thing to do because a lot of people wouldn't realise that at the very beginning, Wendy, when it wasn't fashionable, when it didn't have any media attention, there was a core of players for a number of years that got Munster Women's Rugby and Leinster and Connacht and Ulster too, let's be fair about it, off the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, a lot of those players have done a lot of work at their clubs and done a lot of work you know, over the years with the province. Um, and you know, it, it's really important that those players are honoured, I suppose, you know, Nowadays, you know, you get to keep your jersey, but that wasn't always the case. So they would have walked away from playing for Munster, you know, what I mean, without that jersey or without that recognition of playing. Well, we didn't have team sheets to go to, so a lot of work has been done in trying to track down all those players. And uh, hopefully, we've done a, a good job in doing that, and, and we'll have a lot of those there on the day. Good stuff. Well, we'll promote it as best we can here in the big red bench right up to that date as well for you. Now, on to domestic matters and underage rugby. We got a big reaction over the last couple of weeks to even mentioning the underage, which a lot of people were delighted with. But two clubs at under 14, this this past week's uh, under 14 league semi-finals, two clubs synonymous with rugby uh, in Munster, Dolphin and Shannon, coming out on top in their semi-final, uh, semi-finals. Yeah, we had a very exciting under 14 league. I suppose this cohort has seen the most growth in the last two years and many of those girls have transitioned from minis rugby up into the under 14 league. So in the last four we saw uh, Dolphin uh, overcome um, Donna Kilty um, so the score there was 22-19 very close to, to the very end and then Shannon coming out on top over the Brough Garyona amalgamation and uh, that you know again came down to the dying seconds to um for Shannon to, to clinch the victory. So in the next two weeks now, we'll see a very exciting final with um, Dolphin and Shannon. Yeah, and it's great to see those two names. I mean, we've talked a lot about Conor Kilty. We've mentioned Brooke Garyon as well previously on, on, on different podcasts. But it's great that, you know, names like Dolphin and Shannon, as I said, Wendy, that would be synonymous with men's rugby, women's rugby now just proving just as popular. Yeah, and I suppose just to mention that, you know, Dolphin are new to the to the women's game, you know, Mina, at underage level. First year competing, we would have, established themselves last year and they're seeing their numbers grow and grow and I'm sure the club are absolutely thrilled to have um, you know, their under-14s in the league final in the first year of competing. And you have another couple of results in the Women's Division 1 and Division 2 and the Under-16 Cup involving Munster teams this past week as well. Yeah, so just a quick mention I suppose in our Division 1 uh, Women's League 
Um, Tipperary played Shannon. Tipperary coming uh, uh, out on top there. 15-5 was the score. And just a special mention, I suppose, over Brianna Hellmans from um, the Tipperary setup. She'd come the day before from a National Talent ID programme and and had a full training there and was apparently had a spectacular individual try scored from the halfway line in horrendous uh, conditions in, in, in on the day. And then in Division 2, so their local Skibbereen had a very strong win over Waterpark 44-12. And that's a team to, to definitely watch for the future. Um, I would imagine that we will see them transition to Division 1 after the season. And then Ballancolly's second team had a very strong win over Dolphin. Uh, 36 um, nil was the, was the score there. And uh, another local score, another local result there, um, Joe, would be the Under-16 Cup where Clonacilty um, beat Tralee in, in the derby there. And I suppose just to highlight again, I would have mentioned it, that round one is uh, not a knockout round. It is the teams playing for home advantage in round two before it goes to knockout. And then I suppose in the, looking to fixtures for this weekend, we have a, a local derby that will be, I'd say, a cracker of the match, the Under-18 Cup between uh, an amalgamation of Ballancolleg and Mallow versus Clonakilty. So um, all roads to Ballancolleg there to see that match next weekend. Yeah, it's quite, they're coming thick and fast at the moment, Wendy. I mean, women's, uh, Munster women's rugby, both at adult and underage level, lots of games and lots of finals coming up in these next few weeks are going to be very exciting for you. Very busy few weeks coming up and, you know, leading towards see, between the Cup finals, which will be held on the 26th of March in Musgrave Park in conjunction with the, the boys' finals. And we'll have the adult finals as well. So February and March are chock-a-block and we'll be into the Women's Six Nations. So <laughs> lots of women's rugby to, to watch out for in the coming weeks. All good, Wendy. And we'll hopefully have you on every week to tell us all about it. Listen, it's been a pleasure talking to you once again, covering everything that's been going on in the very, very busy world of Munster Women's Rugby. Wendy Keenan, thank you very much for joining us on the Big Red Bench. Thank you very much, Jack. That's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to The Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune in to The Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan and Valerie Wheeler between 6 and 7pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow The Big Red Bench across all our social media channels as well as visiting our official website redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench, Saturday and Sunday from 6pm, Cork's Red FM.